0: Hello and welcome. UVA Speaks is a podcast of Lifetime Learning, a division of the Office of Engagement at the University of Virginia. Lifetime Learning brings the knowledge and expertise of UVA's faculty to the university's alumni, friends, and families. My name is Susan Lynch, and I am the Associate Director of Lifetime Learning at the University of Virginia's Office of Engagement. This podcast features Vanessa Oakes, who's a rabbi and a professor in the Department of Religious Studies. And a core member of the Jewish Studies program since its inception at the University of Virginia. Professor Oakes teaches such topics such as Jewish Feminism, Jewish Ritual, Ethnographic Field in Religion, and Abrahamic Feminism. In this podcast, Professor Oakes will talk with us about Jewish Weddings and Rituals. Professor Oakes teaches a 3000 level class entitled Jewish Weddings that has appeared on the list such as 21 classes to take before you graduate and nine of the coolest classes at UVA. So thank you, Professor Rose, for speaking with me today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. This is a pleasure. Great. So first, let's start with discussing your Jewish Weddings class. You know, it's such a a niche topic. How do you think it it became so popular?
1: I really can't understand it. I I really could not understand it. I began to offer it as, as a... Just like just a trial, just to see how it would go. I'm I'm a great believer in engaged learning, and I thought it might be fun for students to uh, to learn about weddings by performing them, by by actually creating mock weddings, full scale mock weddings. And I thought maybe I would do it once, and and then the next semester there was uh, a student enrolled immediately, and there was a waiting list, and then. My chair asked if I would open it up to more students, and eventually there were sixty students in the class. But I still, I still didn't quite understand it, and and that's when one of the students mentioned to me that there were these lists, uh, where, where where it was pointed out to them that this was indeed, uh, indeed a cool class. Of course, as 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 I was also told that that. Was mentioned to students. It's not. It's not an easy class. Mm. It's. It's an enormous amount of work. Uh, reading, writing, teamwork. It's. It's a. It's a hard course, but the students uh, get so involved in it that I think they. They. They forget. They. They forget the pain of the hard work. <laughs> yeah, so
0: in your book, uh, inventing Jewish ritual, you write about the Jewish wedding as a new ritual, and isn't the Jewish wedding a, a really old ritual?
1: That's such that's such a great question. Uh, when I begin to teach the Jewish wedding course, one of the first assignments is look at the entire Bible and find out everything you can about Jewish weddings. And, and it's, a, it's a trick assignment because you're not going to find, hardly any, there's hardly anything about weddings in the Bible. So certainly not anything like the Jewish wedding that we, we think of today. So the wedding is, has lots of roots in biblical times, in the rabbinic period, the period of the Mishnah and the Talmud. But the wedding that we know now uh, comes from the medieval period, medieval Europe. the, uh, the wedding contracts we see come from medieval uh, medieval Persia. Uh, so there, there are sources that come from, from all over. And my students discover that new rituals are emerging now and, and in their lifetime. And this is one of the reasons that I, that I teach this course, because new ritual is a, it's an academic specialty of mine. And, and I know that students, no matter what, tradition, what religious tradition they may come from, uh, they generally think that the rituals that we perform now are, are, are ones that have been there since the beginning of time. And they are, because of that, they're holy, and they can't be changed. Where in reality, most of the rituals that we do perform now uh, have long, complex histories. And a a new ritual that we think of as cherish can be as old as 5, 10, 15, 20 years old. Mm, Interesting. So can you tell us a
0: bit more about what goes on in the course, so what and how the students learn and perhaps some of the myths that they uncover while they're in the class?
1: Great. Well, the first myth is, is that the Jewish wedding is, has been the same way since, since the time of the Bible. The, the, um, so they said, they learn about the history of weddings by becoming familiar with Jewish sacred texts. And one way of finding these texts palatable for engagement with because they're they're, they're they're challenging is if you have a mystery to unravel like, what sources can I find there it, it, it enables you to look at these texts with with the mind of with the mind of a detective which is a healthy healthy mind uh, mindset for for a for a young scholar uh, what the students learn is first they learn some bad news they learn that uh, that the a Jewish wedding until very recently is not an egalitarian project. It, it's not a process in which a man and a woman or two men or two women come together and say, let us be bound up together for eternity. Rather, up until quite recently, it's a process in which a man acquires a woman and she consents to his acquisition. She consents to being acquired. She doesn't have to say anything. She just has to receive from from her husband, her her husband to be a document, which stipulates now again, here's some good news. The good news in this document is that it stipulates that he has responsibilities towards her to provide for her, to provide shelter. To provide care, to provide food and clothing, and also, and here's a here's a bright point to to pro, to provide for her sexual needs. Mm. That's good. On the other hand, in this wedding contract, there are no rights for a woman. Just understood duties and obligations that aren't even written down in the document. So my students learn to see that 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 in the age, certainly of feminism, we have Jewish feminism, we have had to look at these ancient documents, look at these ancient r- rituals, and begin to tackle them and unpack them to find a way that they can be more egalitarian. Now, two other myths that I will tell you about that, uh, that my students learn about, for one is they think, who doesn't think, who's seen a Jewish wedding on TV, who doesn't think that the wedding canopy, called a chupa, has a sound a ch- sound a chupa or a chupa? Who doesn't think that it is it's been around forever? When in fact that really is 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 not the case. Probably, oh, fifteenth century Europe. Uh, one might see uh, the perhaps the, the the cover of the ark from a city bag. It might be held up on, on some poles. Only later uh, were people using prayer shawls, which they often use now. Uh, I think the earliest version of a hupa was actually the bridal chamber itself, the place inside where, where, the, where, where the relationship was was sexually consummated. Uh, so. And, and, and then another intriguing fact that I discovered is that perhaps one of the earliest sources of of this hoopah was the this canopy comes from the Catholic Church, the medieval Catholic Church, and there was always a canopy that would be held on poles over over the religious leader as as he moved from as he moved from place to place. So thank you. it's a lovely religious object. Thank you, Catholic Church. If that's in fact where we, where, where, where the Jewish people got it from, another ritual object which we think, ah, oh, this must be incredibly old, this practice must be old, is the tradition you've seen it in movies, is where the groom has a glass, it's wrapped up in something so it doesn't shatter all over the place. He stomps on it and everyone goes muzzle-tongue, which means yahoo, congratulations, finally. And, and like all good feelings of, of a conclusion rolled into one. Well, this, this broken glass, this is a practice that the rabbis certainly in the medieval period wanted to stop. Mm-hmm. They did not, they were not encouraging it, uh, a European practice, but the folk people had seen it done uh, in, in Poland, they had seen it done in Germany. It was a folk practice breaking some glass at the time of a wedding in order to frighten away demons. Well, it's a good idea. and Weddings are, it's a scary time. Uh, uh, beautiful rituals of of birth, of weddings. There there are times when there's so much hope and feeling and preciousness. And if you can do something to make all evil spirits go away, which of course, you know, Jews are not supposed to be believing in these evil spirits, but Jews believe in the evil spirits. And in in the Talmud, we find find mention of the demonic spirits. Um, uh, So why not? take on a ritual that you saw in your culture and, and, and keep on doing it. Rabbis tried very hard uh, to, 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 to stop this. And then they came up with a solution which uh, rabbis have often come up with, or religious leaders have often come up with when they can't forbid a practice is they said that it had to be done. <laughs> you must do this practice and you must do it with a new meaning, not to frighten away demons, but rather at the time of one's greatest joy, at the time of one's wedding ceremony, that one remembers a, a, a deep and lasting wound to the Jewish people, the destruction of the ancient temples in, in Jerusalem. Uh, nowadays, when people perform this ritual, and they still do, because it's 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 fun to do, it's a time of laughter, it's a kind of it's a time of of, of release of a um, release of emotion, uh, some couples, particularly in Orthodox Judaism, will indeed quote that rabbinic um that rabbinic verse to, to, to say, yes, this is when we are remembering the, the temple in, in, in Jerusalem. And sometimes we'll sing a beautiful song uh, about, uh, about remembering Jerusalem. But other couples uh, will choose a different kind of meaning, which is to say that uh, even uh, even at this time of our great joy, we remember the brokenness of the world mm. and that we need to be agents of repair in our lives to fix it. Some couples will also say that at this time uh, that we hear this, that we see this glass being broken, uh, our relationship is changing in such a dramatic way and, and, and that we are changing. And, and, or they might say our relationship cannot be broken. Uh, it's, it's, it's too, uh, the glass can be broken, but our relationship will not be fragile. So people bring to it their own their own meanings, but they do want to keep uh, they do want to keep the physical practice. Uh, I, I would add this is kind of funny, Susan, is that um, in the I guess the sixties, the seventies, when flash light bulbs were popular, mm-hmm. you would stick a little flash bulb on your instamatic camera. You know many students will have many people who graduated after. 1980 will have no idea what i'm talking about is, is that people would take these flash cubes and put them in a tap you know and wrap them up and 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 smash them now people will either use an old piece of glass glassware or sometimes a light bulb
0: yeah, i've heard about the light bulb so <laughs> so um you know i think you've mentioned that the students work in in groups for this and um So what are some of the most memorable class weddings that you have celebrated over the years with the different teams and groups that are working together?
1: Well, the more complex the wedding is, the more fun it is, (laughs) Uh, because the students learn that in our mock weddings, just as in real life, we're dealing with two families. And those two families, even if they come from the same social ethnic group, they're different. And everyone has different ideas of what a right, proper wedding should be like. So and and this gets intensified and complexified if if the parents are coming from, say, say there's one Nigerian Christian person who's who's getting married and the other person is uh, a conservative Jew from Long Island. Like, what do you do to pull that off? What do you do if 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 if? Uh, One member of the couple, it comes from a Hindu family and a family where it's very important for their son or daughter to marry an Indian person. And and then we have a Jewish family where this family really had wanted their child to marry another Jewish person similar, similar to them. Uh, So uh, interfaith marriage is a reality in our world. Mm if among Jews, it's probably as high as as fifty percent. And while my students, uh, I don't, you know, no, no one knows if they will marry. No one knows uh, what kind of a person they will marry, and whether it will be uh, a marriage in their faith or or, or or a combination of traditions. Practicing these complex marriages is is, is, is it's, 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 it's quite a rich quite a rich learning experience. Two of my favorites involved um, well, well, several Hindu Jewish weddings uh, in particular because it was always so much fun for the students to borrow saris from their friends and have their friends who always came to the weddings to, to help them dress up in, in, in their saris. Um, uh, those were always fun. And then we would usually have, there would be complete meals afterwards sometimes. And so, so if, in Hindu wedding, it would be an easy meal to pull off because we could observe the rules of keeping kosher, the Jewish dietary laws, and Indian vegetarianism by having a, uh, a South Asian vegetarian meal. Mm-hmm. And the students in the group, they would, they would cook it all. Mm-hmm. They, they would, and maybe one group would do, do the cooking, another group, group within the team might make a fabulous wedding cake if that was their if that was their, their, their passion. One wedding was, another favorite of mine, was a, uh, an Italian Renaissance wedding where, where the students com- completely dressed up as, 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 as Jews from the Italian Renaissance and carried out their very complex rituals, which involved in that period, often the families of the bride and groom would be arguing all the way up to the chuppah about the provisions of the of the dowry and the, the bride price, and the groom price, and how things were going to all work out. And of course, my students totally got into this. <laughs> they were they were arguing all the way up. Um, another favorite part of mine uh, part is uh, another favorite part is the dancing afterwards. Oh, okay. Uh, after just about all of our weddings we've had either dancing of the period for the renaissance wedding there was renaissance dancing when there was a scottish jewish wedding we had scottish dancing and then we always have we always have jewish wedding dancing early in the semester the, stu- the students learn how to do easy jewish wedding dances and then they learn some complex ones and yes they do learn how to put a person the bride and groom up in a chair and lift them up and down. And sometimes they perform these weddings uh, on the lawn. Right. And students, you can imagine students, so let's say in the spring, when students are coming to UVA to decide if they want to, decide to come to UVA after they've been admitted. I I have seen, and we all crack up in my class, we've seen people watching our weddings (laughs) and just going like, okay, so it's 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 someone's having a Jewish wedding on the lawn because it, lo- it looks so real. Right. Right. Uh, and just, just a la- Just a last favorite. Uh, and This was uh, last spring, I believe. Uh, and this was a, uh, a wedding that had Dallas Cowboy Jews. Uh, so not from this, not from the sports team, but they were that they, they were cowboys from, from Texas. They were okay. And the students dressed up in, in wonderful cowboy attire and i of course wanted to get into the spirit so i I dressed up in my own cowgirl costume (laughs) that's great thank you for sharing all that so
0: you know i know that you are a rabbi and um have you ever officiated at a wedding
1: for any of your students i have and and i can't tell you what an incredible thrill that is um uh, some of the, a, a student, say a student who's been in the class and really knows what's going on, or or sometimes it's just it's UVA students, either ones I've known or or who have found me, and there's this very beautiful connection that 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 we share. Uh, one of my weddings was uh, it was the I had performed same-sex weddings before for for men, but this the first same-sex wedding I had ever performed for women was one of my. Um, with one of my graduate students uh, who was extremely her name is Rebecca, who is extremely learned in in, in Talmud and, and in Jewish ritual practice. So when she and her fiance Sarah were working with me over many months to create a an egalitarian ceremony that was uh, that was um, consistent with Jewish history but also transforming it in a in a way that was that had a kind of coherent process. Uh, we really just we just rolled up our sleeves and, and not only worked through the text, but we worked through many documents of Jewish same-sex couples who had gone before them to find the, the just the right ways uh to um to 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 create a a meaningful and coherent ceremony, and it was just—it was so beautiful because not only are the two brides deep and beautiful uh, people, but the majority of the guests were 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 were, were fellow UVA graduate students. So it was quite, quite the in-house party. I think, I think one of the brides was my husband's TA, and the two of them had a joke during the class where she would shoot him with a water gun. I don't know how this came about, but there's a lot of festivity in Jewish weddings, and there, was, there, there, there were water guns that were shot. And, <laughs> and not during the ceremony itself, but, but during the festivity part afterwards. Again, a link back to the UVA classroom.
0: Great. Wonderful. (laughs) That's wonderful to be able to uh, participate in that way with your students. That's just fabulous. So, and finally, you know, I understand that you are retiring at the end of May, at the end of the academic uh, semester, and uh, you have taught in religious studies and uh, as a core member of the Jewish Studies Department since its inception. I wonder if you could reflect on your time of teaching and service here at UVA.
1: I was just thinking about that this morning as I was looking over some of my student papers uh, and responses to, to, to the chorus, to the reading, to experiences. This semester, I'm teaching Jewish feminism. And every semester, I think my students are the best ever, the smartest ever, the most caring ever. And I always know that semester will never be better. And, and my students this semester, you can never be better <laughs> more wonderful than my students. I, I, I love them so much. Um, and it's just simply a privilege to, to learn together uh, with students who work hard, who care, who are profoundly respectful of each other, respond, profoundly respectful of either a tradition they've inherited or a tradition that they're just learning about this semester. Um, um, bunches of my students came to synagogue with me on this Saturday as a, as a as a field trip, and I just I felt so proud to see them there, to see them there learning, curious, interested, comparing what they were seeing to what they knew in either in their churches or or in their synagogues or in their mosque or or, or wherever they wherever they prayed, and it's. It's a it's a privilege. It's a privilege to to be a teacher of UVA students, and it's certainly been a privilege to have founded a Jewish studies program here. And I I I hope and pray that the legacy of this of this department will will continue will continue to be strong um, in the coming years.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, uh, Professor Oakes, for sharing this information about your class about Jewish weddings and your experiences as an officiant at weddings. Um, thank you too for your years of teaching and service to the University of Virginia and you sharing your knowledge and expertise with UVA's alumni, friends and families. Thank you so much Susan, a pleasure. Thank you. And, and, and thank you for listening for upcoming podcasts and other lifetime learning programming recordings and blogs. Please visit our website at engagement.virginia.edu forward slash learn. You can also find our podcast on Spotify and with the Virginia Audio Collective, which is a network of UVA's podcasts hosted by WTJU Radio and can be found at virginiaaudio.org. So thanks again, and we look forward to you taking part in future lifetime learning programs.